It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Micheline Nijbang, CMO of LiveHive, and LiveHive provides a sales automation and engagement platform to uh, inside sales teams. And you know there are a lot of tools that promise an increase in sales productivity. And to me, a lot of that boils down to what you mean by sales productivity in terms of you know a lot of different dimensions and definitions of what it means. And so that's one issue we're going to talk about today with Micheline. Micheline, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. So uh, take a minute, introduce yourself, sir. How did you end up where you are? Sure. Well, I, I'm the CMO of LiveHive. I've been with LiveHive for about a year and a half. My background started off in sales, actually, many, many years ago, and I made the leap into sales enablement. What did you say? We, I used to be fulfillment house for selling memory boards. So we used to sell memory. <laughs> That's how old I'm getting, right? <laughs> You've <laughs> got nothing on me, believe me, there. believe me. <laughs> And so that's where I started, and I jumped into sales enablement and um, from sales enablement at Sun Microsystems. So it was a big sales, obviously, um, company with sales organization, which was really big. So at that at that time, what was sales enablement? I mean, not to date yourself, but I mean, I think a different, different definition then than perhaps now because of the availability of the tools and the technology. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't, it's obviously much more comprehensive now, but before it was truly helping them sell from the market, you know, we, we were in the, we lived in marketing, actually, we didn't even live in the sales organization. So that's how I made my, made my leap into marketing. Mm-hmm. So we would sit and help them with messaging, PowerPoints, building them, um, helping them um, do account mapping, actually, we'd look into the account and see how we would help them penetrate that account, what message, how do we sell into the different organizations. So at the time, I did CIOs. So what would it take to to connect with a CIO? So it was all these you know best practices on how to sell top down, as well versus bottoms up because Sun was such a big developer community around Java and so forth. So it was really helping them enable and understand the audience first and foremost. So some of that's a little bit of top of funnel pre work that you're talking about. Absolutely. It, it definitely is and continues to be. And so how did, how at that time, you know, because we're going to do a compare and contrast. So that time, your sales reps going in, trying to contact and CIOs of, you know, enterprises of various sizes, including quite large ones. What was their penetration strategy? How did they, how did they approach the account? How did they make that first contact? Was it just, hey, phone calls? What were they doing? It was definitely your traditional phone call, email, relationship building, referrals. Um, that was kind of the initial foremost. And it could be any account, any contact within the account just to kind of get their information. And obviously, we, we did LinkedIn wasn't as hot then. So we didn't have LinkedIn to do all of that. But it was really relationship building. It's building, you, know, you and I spoke about this before, building the credibility, building that, that approach that you're an expert in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it was training them to be that expert, to really be knowledgeable about their space, be knowledgeable about 
the the contact that we're making with so they can build that relationship so they can get a referral if they're and, not the right contact so that was really important so what were you doing to train those reps then because again i want i'm gonna bring it to the present here in terms of compare and contrast because you know we have this statistic i'm sure you've seen it we probably have talked about it in in past conversations is that what 80 percent of uh, c-level executives find no value at all in interactions with sales reps so you know what what were we doing better then that that we're not doing now you know i don't know if we were doing anything better then but we did spend a lot of time on knowing your business knowing your market so it we really helped them and focused and gave them data and and support around the industry so we really fo- we were very industry focused at sun we were very segment focused so really knowing your business knowing who your competitors were it was a lot more focus on relationship building there were a lot more field reps not very many inside sales reps mm-hmm. than they are today mm-hmm. so that was different and it was really making sure your demos were superb. We put a lot of emphasis. And I, I moved from Sun to Salesforce. And at Salesforce.com, we spent hours and hours building the killer demo. And I'm, I'm not talking about hours. It's actually days and weeks right. building that killer demo. And that was so important. And I, you know, we bring that here into LiveHive, the same idea. It's, it's really ensuring that you have the right story. You have that credibility. You're building that connection immediately and not just kind of spitting out you know great you know words to make them connect with you it's really understanding their their challenges so we gave them a lot of data a lot of content we helped them build slides ahead of time a library of slides we helped them understand what their landscape was like so product marketing played a big role in sales enablement then Um, they do today but i think a bigger role at the time because they depended on them they brought product marketing on deals Mm -hmm. because they were the experts and that was also true at salesforce they played a big role there so again what seems though to be somewhat different or to be evolving to be different is that Especially with the the growth of inside sales and the sales development rep function, and with the pressure that's being put upon them to, you know, for activity based metrics, right? You gotta you gotta hit those those numbers. What we Tools. hear is that that you know that's just sort of slash and burn type type uh, selling, and yeah, you know, there's not a lot of knowledge available at the SDR level that is really making that first impression with the, with the prospect. Absolutely. I mean, what's different now is that sales organizations are hiring because of the pressure to make bigger numbers constantly, the competition out there. They are hiring and there's value to hiring inside sales as well as field reps. I'm, a, I'm an advocate of having a, a really a complete sales process and sales structure. But inside sales has become so so popular and prevalent. But what does that mean? It means they're hiring because they need to hire more. There's, I think, a 46%. They're hiring more year over year, 46% more inside sales that's growing than versus field reps. Therefore, they're hiring younger people. They're hiring maybe more um, just college graduates or less experience. What that means is the sales managers are trying to get tools to help them onboard, to help make that connection because 
the growth is so big. I mean, there's inside sales organizations in the hundreds in some in some companies. Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? How do you train them? How do you onboard them quickly? There's data that says that to have a rep productive at the level you want them to to be, it takes seven months, not three. Three, just to get them onboarded and ramped up, but to be at 100% productivity, it takes seven months. So how do you shorten that? How do you make sure that they're getting the training and the coaching throughout the process? So they're buying tools. They're buying tools left and right. I, I, I joke when I go to events, I always ask sales leaders, how many tools do you have to help with your, just your inside sales alone? No joke, four to seven tools at a minimum. And a lot of them overlap. A lot of Mm -hmm. them are, you know, a lot of them work. Don't get me wrong. There's tools that work. Obviously, they're all serving a purpose. But I feel there's a pressure that's breaking that process, that sales process. Now they have to manage all those tools. They have to make sure they're being used. They're spending money. They have to hire someone to maintain them. And what's worse for me is that you don't get that single pane of glass view of looking into your sales process and seeing how productive is your team. Are they actually realizing that there's um, there's a gap? Where is it breaking? So the difference is between now and then is that tools have just grown immensely, and it's just um, it's it's good, it's great because we're live hive, we love tools, but it's also creating a problem for what I see in the future where it's it's kind of like a chaos, right? Everyone's sure. just kind of buying different types of tools just because it's the hot thing. Well. And not only that is, as you alluded to, is that you know tools are all the categories are beginning to merge with each other, right? I mean, what once were sort of unique, distinct functions, now everybody's like email tracking. I'll use that example. Everybody tracks right. emails, right? So if that was your business at one point, you've now got a dozen competitors in your space, and so obviously some of those people are they're pushing out and trying to be more than what they were before. And, and I think, yeah, it's creating a lot of confusion and chaos for potential buyers because you said they may invest in four to seven tools and there's maybe overlap, some degree of overlap on all of them. Exactly. And it's also, um, at the end, it's not going to help because they they buy these point solutions quickly and then next year they're going to look at new ones and say, okay, which one's the hot ones? Let me clean house. It's not sticky enough. And the difference I find the value is around the analytics. It's the like the reps may find it valuable and you see all these reps buying different types of tools. And that's why you see four to six tools, at least this is minimum just in, in, in some companies. Because the reps are buying them themselves. The right? reps are buying them. They're so easy to buy online. They're mm-hmm. inexpensive. But then the, the manager's losing that visibility. And is it really making the team productive? Because it takes a team to really, you know, make your numbers. It's not just one sales rep. And they need to ensure that the whole team is consistent in the way they're they're putting putting together the process and implementing the process. And they're losing that visibility because all these reps are buying different tools that they like. Right. So if you had to prioritize, I mean, if it was your company, and you had to prioritize, and you're you've got a greenfield, right? And what you're you're focused on, you know, sales productivity and so on. How do, which what do you prioritize? What's the first thing, first tool that you would buy? So the first, you know, I, I look at it as a three-legged stool. I, I need I need my CRM, right? You have mm-hmm. to have your CRM in my in my view. And should that come first when you're growing? Um, yeah. I, well, I, I think 
there's a few that come first. I, I don't think you just buy one and then you buy another one later. So you buy a, a, a tool that helps you track your, you know, your deals, right, mm-hmm. your pipeline. And you need marketing automation. So if I was a sales leader entering a company looking for a, a job, I want to make sure this company has a marketing automation, right, to help fill the pipeline. Pu- the funnel. And I call this the three-legged stool and I need a sales acceleration tool. So marketing automation helps fill the top of the funnel. CRM is at the bottom of the funnel, but it's very sales rep centric, right? They Mm -hmm. wait for the sales rep to put in the data. And in the middle, the third leg of the stool, I call sales acceleration. So there's many tools that help you with your prospecting, your qualification, your closing. So there's tools that help the middle of the funnel. And I would look for a you know, a tool. And of course, I want a tool that does it all. So as a manager, if I can, you know, Which it's I'm, hard I'm to laughing find. just because yeah, it's like, gosh, even within that middle of the funnel in the sales acceleration, there's, there's lots of segmentation there. Right. But if you look at the, there are tools that, that, that touch a few parts of that middle of the, the funnel, right? And you look at what integrates with my CRM and marketing automation, You look at that and you look at what do I need for the future? What happens is people are buying tools for today because I need I need to work my prospecting. I need to improve. Let me go buy a tool that helps with, um, you know, lead lists, right? Lists, Mm -hmm. getting lists and then funneling through. And I need a tool that helps me, you know, nurture those tool those leads. And then I need a tool that helps me close. But there are tools out there that do do most of that, not all of it. So you need to be very smart and, and thoughtful in terms of your future. Right. And then look at the analytics. Is it giving you that single view? Make sure they do, because when you grow, as you grow, you're going to lose that view over time. So it's so important to really ensure that you have that insight. And there are tools out there that that do um, a lot of it. They don't do all of it, but they do a lot of it. And they they do work together in some instances. So do do your homework, do some shopping. And I always um, go back to kind of the litmus test is this going to help me when my team grows three times is it going to still help me realize when my pipeline is not where it needs to be you know when you're down ready to close deals if i'm going to say oh my gosh phil you know we're low on our pipeline let's make sure our pipeline's filled that's too late in my view you should know that something's broken earlier Mm -hmm. in, in the funnel and what's happening today is they look at salesforce or microsoft dynamics whatever crm they use and they realize oh i don't have enough in stage five how do we fill the pipeline that's too late you need to realize that earlier and these sales acceleration tools allow you to do that but is it really the sales acceleration tools or is it you said analytics is it really the analytics that sit on top of of those tools that really look at the crm marketing automation and all that you know they have a view to all of it right well how so to me let's you know i, I don't want to bring up live hive but oh, we're going we to work, we, um, yeah. feel free to bring <laughs> up live hive but i'll bring it up right now so live hive does buyer side analytics so the automation component by automating some of the capabilities of the sales reps like email um, calling any of that it's creating a baseline so therefore the analytics can come in and say okay well if everyone does it a certain way now i'm going to know where it's broken so it's it's both analytics alone if you if someone has to put in the data it's not going to work. Right. So automation where it's automatically tracked by the behavior of the rep, by the behavior of the prospect with the rep, then you can get the analytics. So it's not just analytics alone. I, I think it's automation combined with analytics. 
Okay. So let's dive into what LiveHive does in that space. Great. So LiveHive helps deliver buyer-side analytics, not seller-side, but buyer-side to help sales teams with prospecting and outreaching to prospects more intelligently. So the difference between seller-side and buyer-side is what? Give an example. So the CRM is more, it gives you analytics from the seller side for the most part. The, sell, the sales rep has to input the data, their pipeline, their, their, their deals, the, all their numbers is, is more on the seller side. It's really understanding what the sales rep is doing. Buyer side analytics is understanding the effectiveness of your sales rep, but by how the buyer is engaging with your seller. Right? Are they, how, how, when you're prospecting, are they sending the right emails? Well, how do I know they're sending the right emails? It's how the buyer's engaging with those emails. How do I know my content that I'm sending them, the collateral that I'm sending them is valuable? It's not because the seller, the sales rep is sending it, it's how is the buyer engaging with that content? So by tracking lots of time that goes by engagement of the buyer with the with the rep, it gives you gives your team the insights on, well, how should I follow up with this prospect? When should I follow up with this prospect based on the behavior of that buyer? If they click on a certain link, they go to your website, marketing tracks that, but once they go beyond your website, we don't track it. So salespeople for the first time have this capability to really understand the buyer. Did they download my content? Did they forward my content? Did they reshare my content to another colleague? Or did they even um, print my content? That's how much analytics you can track based on the buyer. But what's important, it does two things, LifeHive. It gives them buyer-side analytics for the rep, but it also gives you analytics and visibility for the manager. Again, as I mentioned before, by understanding how the buyer is behaving and in, in reacting to the sales rep's content and the way they're sharing the information, getting that visibility will help you understand if your your sales rep is is doing the right thing that is needed. If you put in a sales process, you can get... Um, understanding of how the rep is is following that sales process through the buyer analytics. So that's what we do. We we do buyer side analytics, and the way we do that is through engagement. So really understanding the buyer, giving you top prospect ranking. Who's your most engaged prospect? Who should you follow up first? And, and most engaged, you measure not just by quantity of of downloads or whatever, but you're saying, look, you know, and I presume this is a rule you can set company by company or customer by customer can set their own rules for this so that, uh, you know, maybe if somebody shares internally, that has more value than if they're just opening it three times or whatever. Exactly. So if I, you know, as a marketer, if I said, hey, I sent 5,000 emails and I got a 80% open rate, I'd be fired. Open rate means nothing. doesn't mean they're interested. It means I have a good subject line. But imagine if they responded or imagine if they clicked on a link. Those are more valuable, so they're scored higher. And, it, you know, it's taking best practices from marketing automation and putting it and kind of molding it for the sales rep. So the sales rep wants the power and the control of sending their content. They don't want someone to send it on their behalf because you engage with your buyer differently. You do one-on-one engagement. So what LiveHive does is take that engagement, that one-on-one engagement, and, and actually track the analytics around it, but help you automate it so you can 
you can communicate to hundreds of prospects at one time, but still keep that one-on-one -on -one engagement. They don't know that you're you're doing this, you know, across many different accounts. That that account no thinks it's just doing a one-on-one -on -one communication and then personalization between the two. It does raise an interesting issue, which is the issue that comes up oftentimes with the sales automation is is personalization. So yeah, you could send a hundred, but you know, how do you how do you engage at you know that real sort of person to person level that that really is personalized? Agree. Personalization is huge. Aberdeen Research did a study back in April and they said when you personalize your content, you're gonna get I think it was a thirty six percent increase in higher close rates. So you're, or, or sorry, is shorten your sales cycle by 36%. So that's a, that's a big number when you're talking about, you know, long sales cycles. But in, when you personalize your content, it, it really, again, it helps, goes back to the old school type of selling, right? It's building that relationship. It's connecting with that client. And LiveHive, for example, you're able through our scheduled emails and call tasks, you're able to create response rules. So, for example, if your email was had an attachment and they opened your attachment, you don't want to send them another generic email saying, hey, I'm following up on my last email. You want to send them an email that says, oh, you know what? They've opened my attachment and they've sent, they've looked at page five, let me send them a different type of follow-up. I may want to send them a case study, or I may want to send them a brochure that talks about that specific feature that they were looking at on page five. So it's really personalizing it, but you know what? It's automated. You don't actually have to think through it <laughs> during the process. Once you build that sequence, that smart path, we call it, you're able to quickly automate that based on their behavior. Again, it's all buyer side behavior that we're really focused on and how your prospect is engaging with you you want to personalize that engagement it's still as you said it's still automated though so i mean there's a certain degree that and i was really talking about maybe even personalization to a greater degree i mean it's it's you and i were right i guess i don't know if you're at, i was at a conference a couple weeks ago in san francisco at the saster conference and a lot of talk about sort of what i call mass personalization which really was no personalization at all, um, at least to my mind, right? And so, so you're saying the sales rep can set up rules and those rules for automation, are, would they be specific account-based or would they be? Yes. Okay, all right. You can make them account-based, you can make them you know, industry-based, segment-based, and that's the value. But let's not you know, let's not overreact that automation will personalize everything, right? The point of personalizing your content is enabling the sales rep to reach out to, to the, you know, many, many accounts at one time. But what LiveHive does is helps you focus on the most engaged. And the power of, you need a sales rep, right? Sales rep's never going to go away. You need that, that smart, powerhouse, right, who's who's really going to sell into that account, what we're doing is helping the sales rep understand who's my most engaged and let me focus on that a little bit more. Let me do more research. Let me do account mapping. Let me understand that account much better. Let me do some referrals based into that account. Let me do some strategy 
planning with my team. That's what Live Hive does. We're not we want the sales rep to be empowered, but we want them to do what they do best, which is sell. So Live Hive enables them to build to take 5000 names that they may have got some warming up by marketing and continue that nurturing that email communication, but help them focus on the most engaged. Because at the end of the day, you and I agree on this personalization and that relationship building that that um, credibility where you you come in and sell as a consultant as an expert that's never going to go away that's so needed and life is used then by if you are in a salesforce that you've got your inside sales your sdrs and you've got either field reps or inside account execs it's used by the whole spectrum of of your sales team not just the sales development reps Exactly. We actually, we were created as a content engagement platform. That was what we were built as. So we actually targeted ourselves at the AEs initially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that because we were all about content sharing, brochures, PowerPoints, proposals, pricing sheets, and understanding what's happening with that. And then we went to the top of the funnel with our automation. So we, we, we touch from prospecting to closing and all the reps that fall into that. Yeah. And I think if you're a, I mean, if I were a rep these days. <laughs> and I, I probably say this once a week when I interview people with new, <laughs> new exciting tools. Oh my gosh, if I had had this, <laughs> this when, when I was in the early stages of my career. Uh, wow. I mean, there's just, there's just so much, so much you could do with it. I mean, there's, as you said, just the intelligence you derive alone from the buyer side analytics about not just the engagement. Hey, did they open a document? You know, yeah, everybody sort of can do that to some degree. But yeah, did they reshare? Did they dwell on a certain page? I mean, it just gives you so much data that if you're a rep or if you're a manager working with a rep that when you know is coaching somebody, I just say, wow, it's just it's why wouldn't you jump on this? It is powerful and it's great for sales managers who don't have the time to coach. So imagine getting analytics on, well, gosh, what message did they send or how many messages are they sending or how many, you know, you, it's a multi-touch strategy that's everyone knows that to get the best connect rate, you have to hit a prospect at least six times. So imagine understanding, well, for each company, you have a different touch strategy, multi-touch strategy. What is that? When does it take, how many emails and calls does it take to get a response? So helping the manager see that insight, seeing the the analytics behind that can help coach their team. You know what, Bill, your, your response rate hasn't been great, but Jack over here has done an incredible job. Let's help you, sh- let's help them let's have you shadow them or let me see what emails you're sending. What call scripts do you have that you're following or are you even following my sales process? It's a great coaching tool. We, we had a session last week at AISP and it, you know, training is important, but coaching plus training, actually, I think um, CSO insights did the study CS um, training plus coaching combined increases rep productivity by 88%. And um, well, yeah, versus and I was training gonna, alone by twenty three percent. Right. I mean, I was going to react to your your statement, which is, and I know you <laughs> you just brought it up, but you know, if your manager doesn't have time to coach, and that just that drives me. Yeah, I start seeing red when I see that, hear that, because they all have time to coach. Right. I and agree. They have to prioritize coaching. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that CSO Insights, you know, found that the combination of uh, coaching and training, you know, it's going to be more productive. I mean, it's like, 
I don't know, psychotherapy. They found out the combination of talk therapy and meds works better than either one by themselves, right? So Exactly. And reps want it. There's data that says reps want coaching. They want constant coaching. Of course coaching. they do. They want to get better. And, yeah. And, and managers, you know, I, I agree with you. They should always make it a priority. But also, if it's not in their face, it's not easy to pull. It's not, there's data that's not there to support it. It's going to get lost or forgotten, or it's just going to go low on the priority list. So having a tool that helps you with the data right in front of your face, and you don't have to be a data scientist to pull the report, um, it makes it so much easier. So well, yeah, really and I think, I, right. And I think that I was sort of thinking a little bit differently when you're talking about, you know, you can see the individual responses and you're saying, yeah, you know, for a company, maybe they took longer to engage or something. So yeah, somebody may shadow somebody else and say, yeah, let's, let's learn better practices, but also you know, the overlooked part these days, I think, and I try to counsel companies against this, is that not all customers are the same. So maybe it took, you know, twice as many touches to get in contact with a particular buyer at a particular company. That may be their style. Exactly. And so you have that information. Start of saying, well, John, you're really doing a really poor job of connecting because it took you twice as long. It's like, well, no, <laughs> it just takes twice as long with that customer. And they're a qualified prospect, but we just need to be mindful of that. Then as we put them into our funnel, they're going to take longer to close. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's what it does. It, it gives you an understanding of why a deal was won or lost. Because as you, you know, CRM plus marketing automation plus sales acceleration, the three together really gives you a holistic understanding of how to build a repeatable process, right? How many... How many leads did I did I give? How many MQLs did I send to sales? Well, what did they do with that? How many touches did they make? How many calls did they make? How many demos did they set up? In what industry? In what segment? And then when did? How did the deal close? How long did it take? So you get that really single pane of glass view. Mm -hmm. No, very good. All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to move on to the next segment of the show where I've got some standard questions that I posed all my guests. And I'm sure you've listened to lots of episodes, so you're aware of exactly what these are. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so here's the first one. Hypothetical scenario. You've just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. They're just stuck. They need to get unstuck in a hurry. What two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? I would understand. I would research, talk to folks to understand what happened. And I would I would go out and speak and get feedback from them on why they think it happened and why they're getting stuck and how do we get unstuck and then propose make a make a proposal after that. But first, do your research. Okay. All right. So now I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. So and I can ask you these since you you spent time in sales. So here you're fair game. So okay. when you're when. When you're selling, what's your most powerful sales asset? My internet research. <laughs> <laughs> research so, uh, the customer. What a unique idea. <laughs> I, you know what? It's similar to marketing, and I've learned that. It's really understand your, your, your customer. Really understand the audience. Really understand their challenges. Um, understand if it's a specific account, understand their pains, their industry. So it's research. I don't even reach out to them or anything before I, I know who they are, what they want, and, and really doing that research. Okay, I'm going to digress for a second. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we reconcile this? Because everybody knows that's best practice, mm -hmm. but very few people actually do it. Now, I'm going to use myself as a 
you know, sample size of one, but <laughs> yeah, I went to this conference two weeks ago in San Francisco. I was talking about state of the art for software service sales, SaaS sales. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since then I've been receiving emails from companies that scan my badge at, at booths. And I always yeah. let them scan my badge because I want to see what happens. And, yeah, I've been approached by yeah, slightly under a dozen companies that really should know better because <laughs> there's no way I'm a prospect for their product right. or service. And right. clearly the SDR hasn't looked at my LinkedIn profile, hasn't looked at my website, take all of 30 seconds. Why is this so persistent? You know, we're giving all these tools like LiveHive mm-hmm. and but they, it seems like they have a hard time just getting over that first hurdle so they could even use LiveHive productively. So yeah, we recommend to our clients that before you put anything through a smart path or our, you know, our call and email um, scheduling is that you pull your list correctly. You, you understand who you're going after and you segment, you, you segment the list. Don't just do one um, generic email sequencing to, to all your lists. Just because you went to an event doesn't mean that they all get the same email. So again, it's research. It's, it's, it goes back to training and coaching. A sales manager needs to influence their reps in that way. It's so important to really, and it, you, there's ways to help them. Marketing can help them if they don't have time. And if they don't have a marketing team, their sales manager needs to help them or at least um, train them and coach them to do that. It's really looking at your list. Have your competitive list. I get competitor emails all the time <laughs> trying to sell me and not just to market to me. They're actually selling to me. And yeah. I, I go with the flow. Sometimes I, I joke around. I say, sure, I want a demo. But I, then I tell them up front that who I am. But I do that because it's just, you know, I see see that happen a lot. It, it, I really, I can't stress any more than breaking down your list and understanding your who who is in that list. And data, there's so many tools out there that help you do that. Yeah, I can run a report and see what segment they're in, if they're a competitor, what what company size, all of that. Yeah. And then and then do something. Go ahead and do your um, your follow up. And there's and tools allow you to do that. You can segment and send a bunch of emails, a group of emails by segment, by category, by market. So there's no excuse to be honest, but it needs to, like I said, you could only go far with automation. You still need to put that intelligence up front in that homework. Yeah. I mean, I, I so I'm, I keep threatening. I'm either going to start a wall of shame or a hall of fame for <laughs> SDRs that reach out to me. I haven't decided which one to go negative or go positive. We're going to start naming names. It's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes some do slip through the crack. That's, you know, that's, that's okay. And these are, these are big name companies in the space that you have to assume that if this is happening to me, that it's what's happening across their entire company. So, um, yeah. And the bigger you are, the harder it is to track. So yeah, yeah. I see that happening more and more. Okay. So off my soapbox for a second. So back to you, who's your sales role model? Oh, wow. Who's my sales role model. I have a few. Um, I've got, I had the privilege of working with some amazing salespeople at Salesforce. Um, Linda Crawford was really great. Um, she, they, we had so many sales, gosh, I have so many, but Linda was probably really great. She, she was such a pioneer in the way her methodology was the way she engaged with not just customers, but with reps 
Um, she was strong. She was very vocal, but she was also very, um, very nurturing and, mm-hmm. and definitely focused on on her team. Okay. So that's one. That's good. So what's one book every salesperson should read? Oh, that's hard. We have. I'm not going to name one book because I'm going to. I'm going to go on my soapbox. So, LiveHive does this sales leadership uh, book club, mm-hmm. and I encourage everyone to sign up or not sign up. Just go on on LiveHive.com and look for the scribe or look online for the the club called the scribe. And we feature. And Andy, we want to feature yours next too. We feature different books and I'd hate to pick one because I'm working with all these folks so I don't want to name one out (laughs) okay but um, there's several that have um, have some amazing books and we're we're just starting to build that out and we think it's so important to you know every month we're going to feature a new book so I I urge everyone to, to check it out but there's so many out there there really are and you know, for for me, I look for ones that are easy to read because you can just, um, you know, do it on a plane ride right. or in the evening, but also audiobooks. There's a lot of good audiobooks out there, too. Okay. Go to the scribe. Last question, then, is, and this is a, maybe the toughest question of the day, is is what music's on your playlist right now? What music? <laughs> you're going to make fun of me. I just, um, I'm a fan of all music, but I love Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. There's that no judgment there. <laughs> so I love all music. I love, um, you know, from rock bands to pop. Um, I have three kids and my I have a teenage daughter, so I listen to a lot of her music. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to be a mom so of a teenage I, girl, yeah. I love all music. And I just recently got started listening to an 80s station, which brought back all the memories. So um, I, I love all music, so I don't have one all right. <laughs> except for Pitbull. We're putting you down yes. for Pitbull. All right. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining me, my guest today, Micheline Nijme. Micheline, tell people how they can find out more about Live Hive. Yes, go to livehive.com. There's a website there if you need to follow us at livehive on Twitter. Please do. And we have lots and lots of information. And check out our blog. Our blog has lots of resources around sales, sales and marketing alignment, lots of um, educational content. So I think you'd find that valuable. And Andy, thank you so much for having me. This was a really fun time. It was fun. Yeah, my pleasure. So to everyone out there, remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is to make Accelerate a part of your daily routine. So listen first thing in the morning or on your commute, in the gym, or on your morning sales, during your morning sales huddle. That's actually a great way to listen to it. Then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Micheline, <laughs> Micheline Nishme. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time it. with that. It's a hard name. Oh, I know, but I've known you long enough. I should be able to get that, <laughs> get that right. Who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.